We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We don't want to take any more time away from Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven. He's been just he's one of the best in the country as it relates to what's going on in Ukraine. He has sources on the ground, and we're always privileged to be able to speak to him here on Brian and Company. Uh, Professor, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. So you got you got you just actually doing some reporting right now. What do you what do you have? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just uh, talking with my friend who's a, a TV uh, personality. He's got his own show. He's like the Anderson Cooper of Ukraine. They call him. Um, yeah, he's just uh, talking about how he wanted to punch both Zelensky and Biden when he was in Vilnius at the conference uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago. Well, why is that? Like, what's frustrating about both of them? Well, he, he was frustrated with Biden for, you know, uh, pushing Ukraine out, uh, you know, not letting Ukraine into NATO right away. And frustrated at Zelensky for, for you know, sort of um, it was like stupidly, I don't know, basically sort of whining more than, than he thought he should about about, you know, wanting more aid. It's not that he didn't dis- not that he didn't agree with Zelensky, but he thought it was a bad political move. Yeah, it didn't it didn't look good. And some of the still images of him sort of looking isolated, I think, were kind of lasting in my mind coming out of that. And, you know, I I have a million places I want to go. But first and foremost, it just the thing about those meetings, to me, it's like all these like privileged, safe nations, they're willing to give some money and a little bit of help and then just watch this destruction continue. It just seems makes me oddly just really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, as a a human being, I, I completely agree as a political scientist. Unfortunately, I'm less of a human being about it. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's understandable, right? So, so countries have to worry about their own interests, um, and they're constantly calculating the relative uh, power and security that their country has versus other countries. And, and so, you know, that, like, that's why they're making those decisions. It just makes sense for them to, uh, you know, sort of constantly hedge in that way. And the other thing is uh, we always forget that when, when – when leaders go to these conferences and then they go to news conferences, we think they're talking to us, but almost always what they're doing is saying things to protect themselves with their domestic audiences. Hmm. And, and that's, that's something we have to remember all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. We're talking with Matthew Schmidt, professor university of new Haven here on Brian and company on WTIC news talk 1080. I've been, you know, reading threads when I can and listening when I can about this counter offensive and I'm, trying to figure out if this is going according to plan or if it's really not. And and the latest I sort of – and I want to get to the, the drones in Russia after this, but is that, yeah. that, that somehow Ukraine is trying to sort of drain the artillery of Russia so by the end of the summer they're not going to have weapons and then they're going to get more aggressive? I mean, just give us a, your sense of what the strategy uh. is here. I think that's definitely uh, part of it. I, I don't hold much hope that that's actually going to happen. There's lots of reasons to think that there's plenty of artillery in Russia um, uh, in this in this case. Look, the the counteroffensive isn't uh, it isn't terrible and it isn't great. 
the first thing to say is that it's, it's going much slower than planned. So where they wanted to be at at this point is well behind where they are. Um, but they're still in the game. And what's really happening is it's a, it's a learning process. They are facing defenses that are, you know, some people have said, you know, the, the, the best defenses in 80 years, that no army has had to face this kind of military problem since World War II. Hmm. And, you know, and, and we're doing it with modern weapons, so it's even harder to do than in World War II. And, and so sort of give, give Ukraine a, a break on that. But that said, they don't have the time anyway, right? Like that, that's an explanation for why they're moving slow, but they're still moving slow. Right. Well, you know, when you, again, like you put on your political science hat, I'll put on a journalist or host hat and be more objective about it. It seems that like being able to get Russia on their heels and to put, I mean, I think it's audacious and from a strategy standpoint, I mean, imagine if Russia felt it had to defend itself more. I mean, this, these drone attacks seem very minor, but is there per, perhaps an opportunity to do more in the country? Yeah, so the thing is, is that military force only works in the end if it can create political conditions in your enemy state that force it to change its behavior, that force it to decide, you know, ultimately to stop the war. Right. So you can win on the battlefield in Ukraine, but not create a decision in Moscow to end the war. And what they're trying to do with these drone attacks is bring the war to the Russian population change those political conditions in Russia and get Russia to, to agree to negotiate and pull back troops uh, on Ukraine's terms. What they're doing is great. They've had phenomenal success. Uh, you know, they just blew up uh, uh, another refinery outside of Moscow. They've been hitting these office buildings in downtown Moscow. Um, you're seeing that they're starting to affect and frighten the population, but it's a long way from that to getting the population's mood to change Putin's behavior. And I think we need to temper our expectations of this also. And, and also, Ukraine's approach to this is, is trying to have a political effect on us as Western publics, too, to say exactly what you said, to say, hey, look at Ukraine. They're reaching into Moscow. Right. They're punching above their weight again. But it's a long way from, from doing that with a few images on Twitter to getting you know, Western countries to double down on letting them in NATO now or, or giving them significantly more aid. Well, you know, for me, again, like as ignorant as I am to a lot of this this stuff, I it, it just seems that no matter how badly it goes within the sentiment of Russia, unless the people are willing to to get Putin out, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so the, the Soviet Union ruled by creating apathy towards politics. Uh, just just having people say, look, we're staying out, right? They didn't love the regime, but they didn't hate it enough to go out and do something. And Putin has ruled by the same process. So what you're trying to do with these attacks is to get the population to care enough that they, they start doing things and sabotaging you know, themselves or, or, or that the oligarchs, the, the wealthy class, decides that they want to do something. And it could go that way. But we're a long way from that right now. Right now, these are these are still sort of pinpricks, and there's not an overwhelming wave right. of fear uh, and willingness to do something yet. And there's no economic. It seems like economic isolation and desolation is not. I mean, you would figure if people were you know starving because of the sanctions, then there'd be issues. But that doesn't seem to be a problem either, um, because people are still no, buying yeah, their yeah, oil. Definitely, right? 
Yeah, yeah, they're definitely not starving. They're selling oil to, uh, you know, China and India, unfortunately, to India, one of our, our key allies and the biggest democracy in the world. Uh, but, but the economy is suffering. The problem is, is there's a time lag on this. And so it might be another year or two years before, uh, before you really start to see this hit you know, for the general Russian. And that's a lot of time for Ukraine to hold on. You know, last question here before I, I let Professor Matthew Smith from the University of New Haven go here on Brian and Company. Uh, there's been some drone issues with U.S. drones in Syria with getting interference from Russians. What is that all about? It's the Russians, you know, trying to trying to, to, to show their power, right, to, to try to say, like, we're going to bring the war a little bit to you. We're going to do some things. We're going to we're going to sort of probe to see what we can do to see what your reaction is, you know, sort of punish you for supporting Ukraine. It's minor right now. They're ratcheting it up as, as, you know, as much as they can right now. And again, it's just harassment. Got it. Uh, Are you any less or more optimistic about what's going on in Ukraine than you were, say, maybe two months ago? I think Ukraine will win. Hmm. Um, But it's always a question of when. I still think the likely outcome is that Ukraine makes some gains right now, um, that Biden has essentially signaled that he's going to give them about a year to take whatever territory they can get. And then uh, he's going to say, okay, we'll bring NATO in and we'll guarantee wherever those borders are. But I, I, I still think that the that getting all the Russians out and, and grabbing all of that territory back, including Crimea, is a big lift. It's not impossible, but it's not going to be easy. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet on it right now. Got it. Hey, great stuff as always. Professor, I hope the summer's going well. We'll catch up uh, hopefully in August face-to-face. You too. All Bye. Right. Thank you, Professor Matthew Smith, University of New Haven. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.